Welcome to Daily Grace. We believe that the Bible is true, trustworthy, and timeless. And we want to help women like you know and love God's Word. The Bible shows us who God is, and who He is changes everything. My name is Joanna. And I'm Stephanie. Come join us as we chat about the truth of God's Word in our everyday lives. Today we are discussing the topic of biblical hospitality. What is it? Why is it important? And how can we engage in it, no matter who we are or where we are? Hospitality should characterize God's people. It is a basic but integral part of vital Christian living. But biblical hospitality is vastly different than what our culture promotes as hospitality. Let's dig in a little deeper today. Welcome back to another episode of Daily Grace. It's Stephanie here, and I'm here with my co-host, Joanna. Hello, everybody. So how was your week? Anything big or fun or unusual happen? Oh, um, my husband and I got to go on a date night on Friday night. I saw Um, that on your stories. Yeah, that was probably my, uh, my favorite thing from this week. I know I'm jumping ahead to our favorite things, but this is my probably favorite thing from this week is our date night because we actually made a New Year's resolution to do more date nights because it just, it gets away from you so quickly, doesn't it? Like, yeah. you're like, oh yeah, we had a date night a couple of weeks ago and you're like, that was two months ago. <laughs> so we're being more intentional, but we went out to this place, um, in a little like downtown area near us. And we actually were going to go to the place across the street. And we went in there at six o'clock thinking we're kind of getting in a little early for a yeah. Friday night. Yeah. And they said, we are booked with reservations till 8 p.m. So it's going to wow. be a two hour wait. So we ran across the street and got in in five minutes. But listen, I'm so glad we did because that was food good? was delicious. It was, oh. it was so good. Mm. What was your favorite thing from this week? Oh my goodness, we're over our sickness. And good. <laughs> if you guys don't know, we were like plagued with something for like the past three weeks. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Yeah, but oh, a favorite thing. Yeah, my son turned four. So Aww. yeah, kind of a crazy story with being an army family. My husband has missed every birthday except for his very first birthday. So Aww. he deployed when my son was two weeks old and then came back when he was nine or 10 months. And so wow. he was there for the first birthday and then missed his second and third birthday. Oh so my goodness. just with another deployment and just army training and stuff. So um, he was here for his fourth birthday. So we took him and, you know, splurged and, um, took him to a trampoline park where you like buy a party package and invite like 10 friends and but he felt loved yeah it's fun when they feel celebrated you know like when they're two they don't really understand but like this year he knew that it was his birthday and that we were loving on him extra intentionally and he you could tell that he just felt like so special (laughs) yeah oh happy birthday elijah yeah it was fun sweet thing All right. Well, today we are talking about biblical hospitality. And honestly, it's one of my 
this is probably not even proper English, but it's one of my most favorite topics. <laughs> and it's not because I'm very good at it, actually. Um, mm-hmm. It's really because it's an area that I know I, I need to grow in and I really, really want to be better at it. So on this podcast, we talk a lot about how we're image bearers and this is just another way that we can image our God. Because if you mm. think about it, we serve a very hospitable God. You know, think back to the Garden of Eden before the fall. He created this like beautiful garden and world that had, um, you know, soil that was going to bear good fruit and he didn't have to really yeah. toil hard for it. And And then just thinking about God's grace and how that is actually hospitality for us because Mm -hmm. he's giving us redemption to sinners. He calls us friends. Um, Yeah. So just even thinking about that this week, it really kind of stirred my heart and got me really excited for this topic um, and just really challenged me. And, you know, how can um, I image his character to others through this avenue of hospitality? Um, That's a really cool thing to think about you know, with the Garden of Eden specifically. Oh, yeah. That God didn't just give them what they needed to survive, Mm -hmm. but he like gave them this abundant, amazing, lush garden (laughs) with all this fruit and things that they can eat that are like, you know, he could have just given them like boring cardboard flavored nutrient packs, but he didn't, you know, he like, he gave them things that tasted good and and this abundance. So I I hadn't thought about that before in terms of God's hospitality. Yeah, that's a good point. And I, I when I think of it, I use the word lush too. It's just like yeah. the perfect word to describe it. <laughs> it really is. <laughs> but just a note here, um, today's episode is called Biblical Hospitality. And that's because the hospitality that should characterize God's people should look and be vastly different from what our culture um, says is hospitality. Mm. I mean, there, and it says a lot about it, right? There's this thing called like the hospitality industry and just big on entertainment, being the hostess with the mostest. And Mm -hmm. yeah, our culture just has so much to say about it. And what we're talking about today or what we want to talk about is what the Bible says um, is true biblical hospitality. Yeah, I think that that's a really important distinction. Um, One is really, if we think about it, one is really self-focused yeah, um, and one is pretty others-focused, which we'll get into more in a little bit here. But yeah, I'm really excited about this topic too. And I have to say, when we first decided to talk about this topic, I was kind of nervous because this is really an area where I need to grow. And you know, I think that we first brought this idea up, it's been a while, probably Mm -hmm. over a month ago, we first decided to talk about this idea. And I have been amazed at what God has already done in mm-hmm. my heart and my life since then That's awesome. um, in this area. Even just thinking about, you know, um, I started reading a book about hospitality and then two Sundays in a row, my pastor's message, he didn't specifically use the word hospitality, but two weeks in a row, it was this idea of biblical hospitality. Mm-hmm. And even, you know, talking with friends from church and hearing their stories and recording some interviews that we have for this podcast, this idea just kept coming up more and more and more. And God even has given me some opportunities recently to practice biblical hospitality in small ways, um, but ways nonetheless. Yeah. And so 
I've just been amazed at how, even from the beginning of this episode, (laughs) even before we record this episode, that God, when he calls us to do something, that he equips us to do it. Um, And just how God works all things together, um, even with the recording of this episode and all those other things that I'm talking about that just came together to really show me God's heart for people um, Mm -hmm. and God's heart for hospitality. Yeah, I love that. Let's start off um, by defining what biblical hospitality actually is and then go from there. Yes. Okay. You guys ready for some (laughs) Greek language nerd action coming at you? Because you're about to get it. (laughs) So the word for hospitality that we see in scripture comes from two words kind of put together. And one is philos, which means friend. And the other is xenos, which means stranger. And so this idea of hospitality, at least at the root meaning of the word, is befriending the stranger, Mm. you know, showing love and care to those who are maybe not like us, those who we don't know, or just even those who aren't us, right? Mm -hmm. I think that stranger here doesn't just mean somebody that you don't know, but it could even just mean somebody who isn't you (laughs) and who, you know, isn't, isn't the person that you normally care about the most, right? Which tends to be ourselves. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's this idea of welcoming, caring for, loving, and befriending others, just as we have been welcomed, cared for, loved, and befriended by Christ. I really like what you said, like a stranger is basically or could be thought of as somebody other than yourself. (laughs) Yeah, it's (laughs) so true. It's like loving your neighbors and then loving Mm -hmm. our strangers. So, right. Yeah. When I think about hospitality in general, I kind of have like this chart in my mind. And on one Uh side, I see like biblical hospitality. And on the other, it's just regular hospitality, like what our culture promotes promotes as hospitality like so biblical hospitality is others focused it's not self-focused you know it's not driven by entertainment it's not Mm. cost dependent Um, it doesn't require an immaculate house or gourmet food or fancy table settings or instagram like whatever um yeah yeah. i know when i hear that word hospitality i think of like better homes and gardens <laughs> and like these like huge elaborate like beautifully designed homes and meals with like place, place settings yeah, and, or like yeah. the place cards with people's names yes. and like modern calligraphy <laughs> yes that you hand lettered yourself yeah. <laughs> totally can't live up to that so. <laughs> yeah no I know I can't <laughs> but I will say that I don't even know where I heard this. I want to say is when I just studied over First John um, a couple years ago, uh-huh. um, I jotted down this definition um, in like the front page of my Bible. And it was, it said this, biblical hospitality is offering people a space where change can take place. So just this idea that biblical hospitality is focusing on meeting someone else's physical and spiritual needs to leave them feeling refreshed rather than impressed. Oh, I like that. Refreshed, yeah. not impressed. Yeah. <laughs> so why exactly is it important for believers? Like what role does it or should it play in our lives as believers? Hmm. Yeah. And I think that it plays a huge role. <laughs> and, you know, when we practice biblical hospitality, 
We are showing people the gospel tangibly. Yeah. Um, we, when we practice biblical hospitality, we have the opportunity and the privilege and the call to make God's compassion for others known to them. And, you know, we see this, this call for biblical hospitality that it's commanded throughout scripture. For example, in Romans 12, 13, Paul tells us to practice hospitality. And Peter also says this in 1 Peter 4, 8 through 9, when he says, above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. And, you know, I don't think that those two sentences in that verse are mutually exclusive. Mm, I think yeah. that one of the huge ways that we love one another earnestly is by showing hospitality to one another. Without and we even grumbling. S- yes, without grumbling. <laughs> right. See how I, I just conveniently leave that part <laughs> off? <laughs> we'll talk more about that. <laughs> we will. We will. We're coming back to it. I promise. <laughs> But it's also a uh, a qualification for elders. We see this in First Timothy three two and Titus one eight. And you know, elders are called to lead the flock of God mm-hmm. um, and be an example to them. And so, this is something that we should be doing as well. And so, it's not just for super Christians, right? It's not just for the elders or just yeah. for the people who write the books about hospitality. This is something that we are all called to, and it comes out of a place of humility, mm-hmm. um, and it's something that all believers should pursue. Right. So if you're not, you know, wanting or feel called to be an elder, you know, it's not like you're off the hook. It's really for all believers (laughs) (laughs) to put this um, character trait on or just live this out, I guess. Um, And then another good um, passage that we see hospitality specifically mentioned in the New Testament is Hebrews 13, 2, which says, Do not forget to show hospitality to strangers, for by doing so, some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing. And, you know, when I read this verse, I automatically kind of think of Genesis 18 with Abraham Mm. and how, you know, he had three visitors come and he was very like insistent on them staying for a meal and yeah you know little later on in the text we find out that they were three angels and one of them was actually the lord himself so Mm. yeah and you know one thing that really strikes me in that verse from hebrews Mm -hmm. is it says do not forget to show hospitality and that do not forget is kind of like a little extra convicting for me. Oh, yeah. Just me because too. I totally see that my tendency is to be like, oh, I just didn't do it because I didn't think about it. Right. You know, but not thinking about it doesn't let us off the hook either, right? God says, don't forget, right? We should be actively pursuing hospitality. Yeah. And I love that with both of those, like without mm-hmm. grumbling, do not forget. It's in there because. He knows that's our tendency. Yeah. <laughs> our natural absolutely. tendency is to grumble and to forget because we're self-centered a lot of the time. Yeah. Um, but I also wanted, we talked a lot about the New Testament and hospitality, but actually going back to the Old Testament shows really clearly how important hospitality is to God and his people. Yeah. And so if we look at the book of Leviticus, it's one of those books that we don't really like to read. It's hard for modern day readers to understand it. There's so many ceremonies and rituals and um, mm. we don't, you know, we think it's not applicable to us, but yeah. there's really beauty in those ceremonies and rituals. And it shows 
it, it shows us what was important to the Old Testament Israelites and what their society like really valued. And one really important thing about ceremonies and rituals is that it also points to God's holiness. And it says mm-hmm. it so clearly in Leviticus 11.45. It tells us to be holy for he is holy, right? Yeah. Um, so then if we look at Leviticus 19.33 to 34, it says, When a stranger sojourn, sojourns with you in your land, you shall not do him wrong. You shall treat the stranger who sojourns with you as the native among you, and you shall love him as yourself, for you were strangers in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. So our love and care for the stranger um, shown through our hospitality is a means to be holy as he is holy. Man, and that is a, a hard one for us, I think. You know, this idea of, you know, this is the outsider, coming in (laughs) and Mm -hmm. we're called to treat them as a native to treat them as our own Mm -hmm. and i think that you know even if we do attempt to practice hospitality sometimes our tendency is just to show hospitality to those who are like us yeah um, those who are comfortable with us that we're comfortable with them who have kind of the same practices, maybe the same culture, the same beliefs, right? But mm-hmm. I I just love that this passage calls us to welcome the sojourner, which is, you know, the one who is the outsider, the foreigner as our own. I think that's a really big challenge for us. Right. And a part of me wanted to say like, oh my goodness, it's so much more significant, you know, back then where that was a really big deal. Um you know, mm-hmm. all throughout the Bible, it's about the Jews and the Gentiles and this the division. And um, I just finished reading Genesis and how it says in the story of Joseph of how the Egyptians, you know, ate separately. And it was very, they couldn't even share a table. But then yeah. while you were talking, I thought about it and I was like, no, you know, we create those divisions a lot ourselves yeah, in we do. today's society, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, that's really convicting to me. Yeah, it definitely is. Because ultimately, bottom line, no matter if it was back then or now, it's all about our reverence to God being reflected in our lives. And Mm. the whole idea that our faith is seen or expressed through our works as evidence of our salvation. It's not a a works-based faith, but just seen as evidence of our salvation and how our love for the Lord can be expressed through our love for our neighbors and strangers. So like you said, it's really the gospel on display in our lives, making it very tangible. And um, even the idea that all throughout the Bible, you know, we can see the home as like a major vehicle of evangelism. Yeah. And I think that that's really important for us to think about hospitality as a really vital part of evangelism, really the major part yeah. of our evangelism. And, you know, I think that we tend to think of evangelism as simply telling people the good news, right? You especially think of like door to door, knocking on people's doors and handing them a tract or like mm-hmm. stopping somebody in the grocery store and saying like, can I pray for you? Um, and, you know, primarily that's not the way that we evangelize. Hospitality is a way not just to tell them the good news, but to show them the good news. And, you know, I think that we have a tendency to hold on to what we have, um, to keep it within, right? Um, And 
even the gospel isn't exempt from that, that we kind of tend to hold it to ourselves and not want to share it with others. I don't think that it's a matter of trying to hoard it for ourselves, but just a matter of being uncomfortable Mm -hmm. (laughs) sharing it with other people. Um, But, you know, Christ calls us to take the gospel outwardly. Yeah. Um, And it makes me think of Matthew chapter 10, verse 8. I'm usually an ESV lover, but I actually love this verse in the NIV. It says, freely you have received, freely give. You know, this is our call. That's Jesus talking to his Mm -hmm. disciples, saying you have received freely this grace, this mercy from God, and you should be freely giving that to one another, Mm -hmm. not not holding it back, right? Giving it to others. And so, you know, As we think about hospitality, it's not just giving somebody some soup and some bread, but it's telling them about the bread of life, right? About the good news of Jesus Christ. Yeah, I like how you pointed out that both are needed, you know, in terms of Mm -hmm. telling people the gospel. Like faith comes by hearing and hearing from the word of God. So we need to speak it. That comes from Romans. But then it's he says like they will know you by your love for one another. Mm -hmm. Um, So definitely need both. And We also need to keep in mind that everything we do, including this, needs to be God-centered. And we want to kind of live with an eternal perspective um, in mind, even regarding hospitality. So Joanna and I both read Rosario Butterfield's book, The Gospel Comes with a House Key, this past month. And I really liked what she had to say on hospitality. She said, Hospitality reaches across worldview to be the bridge of gospel grace. Jesus did not come with self-defense. He came with fish. So too must we. Hmm. And just she talks so much about really seeing our neighbors and loving them and not being afraid of our differences. I, I would say that's probably the biggest thing I got out of her book of just loving people that are not the same as you. Um, yeah. And that you know, that we might not naturally rub shoulders with. Um, And that was just so convicting to me because I feel like naturally I kind of want to create a bubble, especially after I had kids. (laughs) But she does ultimately say like, we are living epistles. And she, I'm going to quote her again. She says, the openness or inaccessibility of our homes and our hearts stands between life and death, victory and defeat and grace or shame for many people. And you know, one of my favorite phrases that she uses over and over and over again in her book is the phrase radically ordinary hospitality. And you know, I think that that is so important for us to realize that, yeah, this kind of hospitality is radical because, you know, a lot of us just don't do it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But it's ordinary in the sense that It's not like you are like going across the globe to find people to show hospitality to. You know, you're talking about how, you know, we tend to just kind of stick with people who are like us and we're blinded to the fact that even our next door neighbors might be totally different from us, Yeah, you know? And so even, even just seeing these people around us and practicing hospitality in the ordinary things, right? Having Mm -hmm. dinner, but inviting someone else in, right? Going to the bus stop, but striking up a conversation with someone and asking about their story and how you can be supporting them and caring for them. And so, you know, I was really challenged by her, by her book as well. Um, And I'm, 
I, I think we'll probably talk a little bit more about it as we go through too. Right, which I do think her family has a specific calling to like lip because I think she has like someone over every night. And yeah. so not comparing ourselves to her and her calling, but to also realize that we are also called to be hospitable and that should mm-hmm. be an ordinary part of our lives and not a once a year thing. Right. Yeah. And that's one yeah. thing I would say is as you're, if you want to read her book or really any book about this topic, it's important that we don't approach it from the standpoint of comparing ourselves yeah, and for saying, sure. well, well, I'm not good enough because I'm not doing these things, but instead asking God, God, what would you have me to do? Um, yeah. And, you know, asking him to open up those opportunities for you and to, to really align your heart to his. Yeah. And we're going to kind of talk more about some practical hands-on tips and it can vary with whatever season you're in. But before we go there, I wanted to talk about the idea of cultivating a heart, uh, cultivating a hospitable heart. Mm. Because really, Offering hospitality is more about the condition of our hearts um, rather than the condition of our homes or what we can actually tangibly offer other people. And we don't ever want to engage in hospitality to simply check off a holy to-do list or, <laughs> yeah. And and what I'm realizing more and more that is that, you know, we'll have to cultivate a hospitable heart, but that might have to be um, something that I constantly do or continually do or periodically do. (laughs) Oh yeah, absolutely. And yeah, I think that you're so right. We don't want to do it just to earn God's favor, um, or to be perceived a certain way by others, right. As like this awesome, caring, loving, super Christian, (laughs) right. That's not what it needs to be about. And then we do want to, to guard our hearts in that. And you know, the truth is, we are going to have those motivations. Mm -hmm. They are going to crop up. And I think that that is just a constant reminder for our need of repentance, right? That we should live a life that is marked by repentance, Mm, Um, not just occasional, but daily repentance. And I think that we tend to look at repentance as a sign of weakness, um, like that we are doing something wrong and so we just shouldn't do it because then we're going to see our weakness. And, you know, in a sense, repentance is a sign of weakness, but it's the kind of weakness we want to have because it's the kind of weakness that allows Christ to fill us with his strength. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, we just need to be coming back to him in repentance and then prayer, asking him, like I said, to align our hearts to his, mm-hmm. asking him to give us a heart for the people that he has a heart for, um, to to let us see them um, as he sees them and to, you know, walk forward in love um, as a result of that. You know, it makes me think of that verse that I conveniently skipped over earlier. (laughs) First Peter four, nine, which says show hospitality to one another without grumbling. Mm. And, you know, we see this grumbling throughout scripture. Actually, it's like when we are like saying like, oh, I don't want to do what God wants me to do. Why is he doing this to us? Like mm-hmm. all of these things we see throughout the Bible, the Israelites grumbled when they were yeah. in the wilderness, right? Um, and, you know, there are lots of reasons why we grumble. And I think with hospitality, we tend to kind of have this negative attitude toward it um, because maybe it's inconvenient. Um, maybe sometimes it can be a little bit expensive, Um, It can be time consuming. It can be actually really uncomfortable, especially if we're trying to 
show hospitality to people who aren't like us. And really it puts us in a vulnerable place, Mm -hmm. right? When we open up our hearts and our homes to someone else, we are vulnerable. And you know, really the heart of the issue here is the sin of self-centeredness. You know, we tend to be so focused on what is good for us and what is going to be convenient for us and protecting the things that we have. And we miss the point that we are called to be others focused. Yeah, and I think that's why we need to continually um, kind of nurture this hospitable heart because it says Hmm. to die to ourselves daily, right? And to take up your cross daily. And it's just that almost like the killing of that self-centeredness needs to be like a daily habit on this side of earth or yeah, yeah, on this side of heaven. I don't know. (laughs) The side of eternity. Yes, that's the way to say it. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, when I think of the grumbling part, I can think of it like related to like overstressing, you know, of how Mm. our house looks or there's that video that went around Facebook of this is what mom is like right before we have guests of just, you know, barking oh gosh, orders yes. at people. <laughs> and Vacuuming everything. Yeah, yeah. Fluffing pillows. <laughs> just getting angry at your whole family. and Yes. Um, yeah. So I just think it's um, easy to overstress when we, you know, make it about ourselves and we mm-hmm. can think of it as being so self-focused, self self-serving, meaning like self-promoting even, like what are they going to think about us and our family? And um, this verse just reminds me to one, like be hospitable as a person and two, to like enjoy it. Like let it be an overflow of God's hospitality and grace towards me. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, when you're talking about like feeling like the house has to be perfect and everything, I think you're right. We do need to kind of get past that. Um, I also think that there's like a certain extent where, you know, we want to make our guests comfortable. Oh, yeah, for sure. (laughs) But I think that one thing that this has challenged me to do is to to be more intentional about not letting things get out of hand, Mm -hmm. (laughs) if that makes sense. Oh, yeah. And just practically just saying, okay, you know, how can I be sure to develop this habit that's going to, you know, put the dishes in the dishwasher every night so that the day when guests come over, I don't have a sink full of dishes that I'm stressed out about tackling, you know, just like these little habits, not that we want or not that our house has to be perfect and beautifully decorated and the baseboards have to be cleaned, Mm -hmm. but, you know, we can kind of establish these rhythms not just so that we have a clean house, but so that other people can feel welcome. Yeah, I I definitely think that is so true. And I was on that deep cleaning extreme too, like in the beginning. Like I didn't want anyone mm-hmm. to surprise me or anything because I needed the house to be perfectly clean. And I, I think it was a few years ago when I kind of let that go. And I realized that, you know, I'm just going to, this is not a season where my house is deep cleaned on the regular. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, but you we do it. Do, and like an hour later, especially with three kids. Right. But it's I, not deep cleaned anymore. <laughs> I will say that my house is tidy, though. It's not mm. deep cleaned, but it is tidy almost every evening or, you know, throughout the day. And I did that, like you said, I guess it was kind of subconsciously, I guess. But because I didn't like feeling stressed about someone surprising me. And I actually really enjoy it when 
my friends surprise me, you know, just want to say hi and like come to the house. And, um, right. and so that was kind of like, I guess my motivation to be tidy. And I think what you said is perfect. Like it is kind of having these habits to, um, kind of make it easier, you know, like kind of being strategic and, um, yeah, just kind of almost like picking your battles, you know, like why right. stress over that? You, you know, if like these little habits will like not make that a thing. And right. this is a good point for moms of little people, kind of like I'm I'm in that season right now and you are too, of like don't apologize for your house. I don't know. Mm. This is a big thing for me um, in the last couple of years. Like when people come over, I don't want to constantly apologize for the state of my house because – that then they're going to feel when I go to their house that they have to apologize for the state of mm. their house. So, yeah. yes, I keep it tidy because just like you said, because I want people to feel comfortable. I don't want them to be uncomfortable because there's, you know, dirty dishes everywhere and it smells bad. And you know what I mean? But right. Yeah. Yeah. I just want to yeah set the expectation that, you know. You don't. I don't want my guests to have to feel like they have to live up to a certain standard to have me over, you right? Know. And I think that that also, you know, kind of contributes to this idea. You know, as far as keeping a general routine of, you know, when you can keeping things tidy and everything, that you know the people who live in our house are our neighbors too. Yes, um, and that you know I think that we are called to show hospitality even to our husbands yeah. and our kids or, you know, depending on who we live with, that that's part of caring for one another is creating, you know, a space where they feel welcome and they feel loved. And, and you know, sometimes that might mean that the house is, looks a little bit lived in mm -hmm. and that's okay. But I think that, you know, if we have that mindset of like, oh yeah, the people I live with are my neighbors too. And I'm called to make them feel welcome and make them yeah. feel loved and cared for. Um, that's going to probably change the way that we view, you know, the, what we'd call the normal days when mm -hmm. there's nobody else around and it's just our family. That's a good point. And as my daughter is getting older, like I can see it affecting her because she'll thank me for how comfortable our house is or thank me for cleaning and stuff because she sees that I'm doing it for for our family. Yeah. Yeah, I love the idea of seeing your kids and your husbands as like your neighbors because it's so easy, especially in hospitality, to think um, or kind of elevate um, our actual neighbors or strangers above our family. Yeah. And that it's funny because in our women's ministry, we call it a spiritual spanking. <laughs> it's weird, but it was funny. <laughs> um, and basically, i that's how I felt. I was like seriously convicted by the Lord because I had a season when my husband was deployed and I was like the president of our women's ministry. And I had just my two kids in there, but they were young. They were three and under. And, mm -hmm. you know, I would volunteer to bring these nice meals to our friends or, you know, someone in need. And then I would be barking at them to hurry up and get in the van and then <laughs> I would find myself like warming up hot dogs and like making them eat it in the van and I realized <laughs> like no that's not right like that is not pleasing to the Lord <laughs> and yeah I think that that's you gotta go back to you know what are our hearts doing in this like what right. what is what is the state of our heart here you know like are we doing 
this hospitality for spiritual brownie points right. <laughs> or to like make ourselves look good to other people or are we actually doing it to share the love of Christ and like you said we're called to share the love of Christ with our families yeah and I think that we do have to avoid a couple of extremes though um, you know we could go to the extreme of only showing hospitality to our family you know and saying like oh well these are my neighbors or the people around me so this is enough to just care for my family. Um, or we can also go to the extreme of only showing hospitality to others, kind of mm. like you were saying, yeah. right? That conviction of like, oh man, am I neglecting my family? I'm not saying you're neglecting your kids in any way. <laughs> but <laughs> like, was. am I? They ate a lot of Chick-fil-A <laughs> while he was gone. <laughs> oh, that is not neglect. That is a True. blessing. <laughs> Listen, if you guys don't live in Georgia, I just stopped myself from saying y'all because I felt like it sounded too Southern, but I'm going for it. If y'all don't live in Georgia. That's true. Everyone doesn't know what Chick-fil-A is. If you don't know what Chick-fil-A is, you guys are missing out. It is so It's the best fast food. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, Oh, man. But really, we do have to ask ourselves like, hey, are we going to one extreme or the other? Are we focusing only on those, you know, outside of our family? Or are we focusing only on those within our family? And it really is a matter of the heart of like, Mm -hmm. what's our what's our motivation for doing this? And, you know, I think that it's important that we keep both of those in mind, that we're called to show hospitality to those around us. And our families are those who are immediately around us. And then we go out, you know, we continue to go out, whether it's our literal neighbors in our neighborhood or, you know, people we come in contact with. Absolutely. For sure. So, you know, where are we supposed to start then? Um, And, you know, my pastor actually preached a message this past Sunday um, that I thought was really applicable to this conversation and really just giving us some some ideas of where do we even start with hospitality. And, you know, he was preaching from Matthew chapter 15, and Jesus had been with a large crowd for three days, and he had been healing them and performing miracles, and the people were hungry. Mm. And Jesus didn't want to send them away. Listen to what he said in Matthew 15, 32. I have compassion on the crowd because they have been with me now three days and have nothing to eat. And I am unwilling to send them away hungry, lest they faint on the way. And so we have Jesus who has done these miracles, who has performed this healing, but what he wants to do is show these people compassion. Mm -hmm. He wants to show them that he cares for them. He wants them to leave full and not hungry. He wants them to be fed. Mm -hmm. You know, the disciples are kind of like grumbling (laughs) about this because they've got places to be and places to go and things to do. And so they're kind of grumbling about it. But what does Jesus do? He takes this bread and this fish, these, I think it's like seven fish um, or seven loaves mm-hmm. and a few fish in this passage. And he breaks it and multiplies it, but he doesn't give it directly to the people. He gives it to the disciples and the disciples give it to the people. And so we have this picture of God's compassion, Jesus's compassion for these people. And then he has the disciples be the carriers Mm -hmm. of that compassion, right? And that is what we are called to. We are called, like we said earlier, to make God's compassion known. Mm, Yeah. And uh, our pastor gave some really helpful tips um, 
just about what does this look like practically in the lives of those around us? And the first thing he said is start moving, start by moving towards those who you are with. So identify who God has placed around you. And so this can be literally around you, Mm -hmm. right? Like who are your neighbors across the street and to the left and right of you in your neighborhood? What are their names? How can you find a way to talk to them or connect with them? Maybe it's um, maybe it is your family, right? Maybe it's people that you see every day because you go to the the same coffee shop mm-hmm. or whatever it may be. Maybe it's people who work in your office, right? In the, the cubicles around you and next to you. But start by identifying just who is it that's around you. I think we can so often forget that God is calling us to bring his love to these people. And we kind of just go through our lives with mm-hmm. blinders on and yeah. forget that these people are right here placed in our lives. I love that. That's a challenge for me just because you just get in your routines and your rhythm. and um, But that challenge to just kind of live life with your eyes open, really. Yeah, <laughs> And absolutely. then step two is kind of live with your ears open and listen to those that are around you. Hang out and hear their story. And, you know, when I saw this step of just listening, I also thought like, what we can actively listen, but we should also pray, like pray for hmm. opportunities, pray for eyes to see and ears to hear and a heart that longs to meet people's needs. And, you know, ultimately pray that you'll be a woman of immediate obedience. You know, when the prompting comes, even though it's may come at an inconvenient time or outside of your routine or whatever, but be a woman hmm. of immediate obedience and yeah. um, just kind of lay down like, yourself again like we said of Mm. that self-centeredness and dying to self and and wanting to be others focused and meeting other people's needs but you know that really starts from like seeing the people around you and listening to them to hear their needs um to see how you can do that like how you can best serve them yeah absolutely and i think that we have a tendency to kind of like over spiritualize this right but like we just are we can just hang out with people. Like we can just be with them and listen to them, like you said, and, you know, listen for opportunities to speak life and to speak truth into their lives. It's not like you have to like sit them down at a coffee shop and, you know, say, okay, I'm going to teach you all of these things, Mm -hmm. all these spiritual things, right? But live life with people, show them that you care about them and want to spend time with them. So, you know, the next, the next thing we can do is serve, right? Look and see what is it that God has given you that you can share with others? What are your gifts? You know, we all have various gifts and we can use those to show hospitality to others. So for example, are you an awesome cook? Then you can take meals to people, right? Who are in need. Even if you aren't an awesome cook, there's lots of cool ways you can take meals to people, which we'll talk about later. But are you great at math? Volunteer to be a tutor, right? And an after school program and connect with those kids and, you know, hear their stories and be there for them. Are you an artist? Maybe that means just getting involved in community art festivals or, you know, all of these different things that are available to, to connect with people that you can share that with, right? And that you can, you can connect with them on this, on this shared experience that you have. Mm, I love that. And it order to kind of do that, we need to evaluate our schedules. So Mm. look at your calendar, you know, where do you spend most of your time? Are you a stay at home mom? 
then look for places that you frequent often um, so that you can um, utilize those opportunities to kind of build a bridge. You know, maybe it's the bus stop, something very simple in like five minutes of your day or where you can you're you're seeing like the same people um, or the grocery store or the gym, you know, be an active listener. And when, when you were talking about um, just hanging out with people, I really yeah. thought about how difficult it is to be a really good listener. You know, um, yeah. it's really a skill. And I think my husband, who is a counselor and a very good listener, taught me this of we're actually not as good of listeners as we think we are. <laughs> Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, don't give up. Like it's a skill that you can hone and get better at. And, you know, we can, one way to do that is to kind of learn to be, um, better question askers and to really be interested in people. I think that's kind of hard sometimes to really be interested, especially in someone that's different than you. Um, yeah. And so that's something that I really want to get better at. I have like a few people that come in mind that are such great, genuine question askers. And I look up (laughs) to them so much because it's something that I know I need to grow in. And I wanted to give a shout out to Journey Woman because Hunter did a episode on the art of asking intentional questions. And it was Mm. so good. And it was Yeah, it was so good. And I actually looked it up. It was episode 75. So you should go check that one out. Yeah, we'll put that in the show notes too, for sure. Yeah. And I know that when people ask me those really intentional kind of questions, I feel so cared for. Yeah. Like I feel so loved, you know, versus just like, you know, how's life? What's been going on? Those are not bad questions. And, you know, I think that we all ask those Mm -hmm. questions and that's great. But when people really dig a little bit deeper and intentionally try and see what's going on in my heart and my life, I just feel like, wow, this person really does care. Or they um, like follow up with something you yeah, said. Right. Because they yeah. remembered, you know, they were mm-hmm. listening. Yeah. And, you know, this is going to look different in different seasons of life. You know, we all have different seasons that we go through. And, mm-hmm. you know, I think that it's important for us to realize that whether we are single or married without kids or have kids or empty nesters or widows or whatever it may be, all of us as believers are called to practice hospitality. You know, just maybe a few little practical ideas. You know, if you are single or you're married with no kids, maybe you could host a game night at your house or your apartment for other people who also have the margin to be able to hang out Mm -hmm. (laughs) uh, and, you know, and play games. Or maybe one way you can um, show hospitality and care is by offering to babysit for a friend so they can go have, you know, a date night or whatever it may be. And that's a great way to care for somebody. Um, Also, you know, don't just, don't just seek hospitality with people your age and in your life season. Mm -hmm. You know, invite people of all ages over to your home and, you know, maybe maybe you don't have a space to do that. Maybe it means that, you know, you you invite them somewhere else and you go together and you care for them and, you know, you pack lunch or whatever it may be, mm-hmm. you know, but I think that we're all called to practice hospitality. Yeah. And, you know, maybe, maybe um, as, especially for these people who don't have kids yet or who are empty nesters, maybe you have an empty room in your house. You know, that could be something that you could consider using to allow someone in need to live there. Mm. 
right? That you could actually completely welcome them into your home, yeah. right? That's like 24-7 hospitality and let them live life with you. I mean, what better way to hear someone's story, to get to know someone and to to show them that, wow, you really do care. Um, and yeah, so if, if you have the margin to do that, if you live in a three-bedroom house, but you don't have kids yet, or you had this house with all your kids and now they've all grown up and moved away, maybe you can use one of those empty bedrooms, you know, to help someone who needs that space. Or maybe you have newborn kids um, and your primary hospitality at that point might be to your family for a season. Yeah. And if you, you know, in that newborn phase, that is all it's going to be. And you know what? There are also stages and seasons in our lives when we aren't the givers of hospitality, but we are the receivers of hospitality. Mm -hmm. And I think that's important for us to recognize, too, that sometimes we are in a position where we need to receive that care. Um, and, and I think that that's okay for us to, to realize. Sometimes we might be in a place where we financially can't make ends meet, and it's good to receive the help of other believers who love you and want to care for you and want to show hospitality to you. Right. It takes humility to engage in biblical hospitality on both mm -hmm. ways, in both like extremes like, of being the giver and the recipient. Um, and just realizing as the recipient that, you know, you don't want to take away from the blessing of the other person um, to serve and to serve you and to bless you. Um, because mm -hmm. I would say that we can all say that we are more blessed by giving, right? Um, so we don't always have right. to be the giver and <laughs> we can be the recipient and that's totally fine. Um, I had a high school teacher who is now a friend of mine who whenever we would, you know, be at lunch or something would always say, you know, I would say, oh, I got mine. I got mine. And they'd say, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Stop trying to rob me of my blessing. Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, and I'm glad that you pointed out that there are different seasons. Like I'm in a season with little people, little kids, mm -hmm. and, <clears throat> and I totally can empathize with those who are in this season of really being dependent on a strict schedule. You know, you don't want to mess anything up because that'll just make night nighttime a nightmare. Um, Nap or time, bedtime or yeah exactly like especially <laughs> with my first child I was very like religious about nap time um, yeah once you get to your third kid it's like okay they sleep anywhere because life happens <laughs> but <laughs> I remember what it, that was like or maybe you have a kid with special needs and they need um, like your full attention especially during certain hours of the day and just realizing that all of our families look different. So even if we're in the same season, that that doesn't mean that um, our our margin, our ability to be hospitable is the same. And right. so we don't really want to judge anyone else or, or anything like that. But I do think it is very important that we evaluate ourselves and really say, hey, is this a constraint, um, a valid constraint? Like this is just not going to, is not the right time for our family. And I'm just, you know, mm -hmm. supposed to focus on our family? Or is it uh, a preference of mine that's just kind of being stepped on, you know? Because if it's a preference, then that's when we can actually be sinning. And, um, you know, we need to resolve to kind of put our own comforts aside and, um, you know, allow our routines to kind of get messed up a li little. Right. Yeah. And I think it's important that we 
that we aren't thinking about this of like, oh, it's about how much you do, Mm-mm. right? Yeah. And that, that can be really easy for us to fall into, to see like, oh, I'm not doing enough. I'm not doing as much as this person. It makes me makes me think about the woman who put, what, like the two or three pennies into the, in, into the giving, um, and Jesus says she's given more than anyone here. Yeah. It's not about the quantity of things that we do, but it's about using what God has given us in order to give to others. Right. And so I think we need to, to be sure that we're not, you know, we don't want to get into this trap of thinking, oh, I did this much, so I'm really awesome, mm-hmm. or I only did this little, and so I'm not as good as that person, mm-hmm. right? We need to make sure that we are, again, cultivating our hearts and um, asking God to to lead us and guide us in what he would have us to do and what he'd have us to give. Yeah. And if you see it as a way of worship and an outpour of like worship and reverence for God, then then that's kind of when you know how much is is right, I think. Hmm. Um, yeah. And so when I think about like, if it's my preferences that are just kind of making me feel uncomfortable because it's not going to the way that I want it to be and make it easy on myself. Um, Yeah. You know, just be strategic. Change the time. Maybe it's a lunch and not a dinner or be creative, like involve your kids in it. And I, I really do believe in this, that it can, even with young kids, like you can make hospitality a family ministry and not just something mom and dad does you know even if they're like two and four or mine are four and five now with the 10 month old but you know like we can involve them in it whether it's like they help prepare the food or does you know determine what the dessert is or um yeah, just like creating that atmosphere that this is like our family's ministry and our family's way of loving others because we love the Lord. Yeah, I think that's a really good teaching tool for our kids too. Yeah. You know, because they get to see in action what the love of Christ looks like. And, you know, I think you you mentioned this earlier, Stephanie, a lot of times we're afraid to give our kids bad influences, Mm. (laughs) you know, and so we're like, oh, man, I don't want that person to come over for dinner because um, I don't want my kid to be around them. Mm. Um, but, you know, as we invite those who are not like us into our homes, as we invite those who, hey, have sin problems like we all do, yep. even if their sins are different than ours, um, when we invite them into our homes, we show our children an example that we are called to love mm. yeah. all people, not just the ones who are like us. And you know, we think about protecting our kids from like the bad guys, but here's the thing. We were the bad guys. Right. And our kids need to know that too, you know, that we we were enemies of God, um, but that Christ loved us in our sin mm. while we were still sinners. Christ died for us. And, you know, we are called to lay our lives down for one another as well. And, you know, when we allow our kids to be a part of this, it teaches them also that, hey, you know, if and when they mess up, if and when they fall into sin, hey, we're a family who welcomes people Ooh, um, yeah. and that they will still be welcomed as well. Um, and, you know, that's something that I also heard from that Gospel Comes to the Housekeep book by Rosaria Butterfield, that like, hey, we're so worried about protecting our children from the world, but, you know, the world is there and they are in this world. Mm-hmm. And what they need to know is that 
We love people um, as Christ loved us. And that includes that we love our kids when they mess up and when they face these really difficult sin issues too. Yeah, that was a very good part in that book that I am going to implement more in my life. (laughs) Yeah. It makes me think of that quote that says that the safest place to be is in the will of God. You know, we worry about protecting our kids, but... Um, You know, if God's will for us is to love others, that's the safest place that we can be. Right. Okay. Now we kind of wanted to have a little fun and give some recipe ideas for the masses. And really, this is going to be in our show notes. But sometimes it's helpful to have some go-to recipes that kind of helps you feel equipped to invite people over and pull this thing off. Yeah. Um, Or to serve well. And. You know, first thing I thought of was you can never go wrong with spaghetti and salad, especially if you're hosting a family with kids. Yes. And it's so easy to make a ton of it. My other kind of go-to things are grilled chicken with the marinade from Trader Joe's. You have to try it. It's called Soyaki. Oh, I've not heard of this. No. Oh, my goodness. So it comes in a bottle and you literally just pour it on chicken Uh and let it marinate for a little bit. And it's so delicious when you grill it. Like I've made it for so many people. Yes, it's called. I'll link it in the show notes because it is a must. I love it. (laughs) Linking Trader Joe's sauce in the show notes. And I usually pair that with like spinach orzo salad and like grilled corn. So I'll link link all of those things. Link those up for us because I need to make that. (laughs) <laughs> and one other suggestion that I have is make a huge batch of homemade cookie dough mm. and just use a small ice cream scoop. Put like five to ten in a Ziploc and stick them in the freezer. And, you know, whenever company comes, like if they surprise you or even just as like a sweet gesture to your husband one day after work, Aww. you know, so easy to pull out and pop them in the oven and it's homemade cookies. I love that. And here's a tip about freezing them. Freeze them on a cookie sheet first. And yes. then dump them into the bag or else you'll have a giant glob of frozen glob. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> so, okay, a few a few like go-to recipes that I think are great for big groups. Um, if you have anybody who is vegan or vegetarian, I love lentil soup. Do you like lentil soup? Mm. Have you had lentil soup? I've had like the Indian version. Okay, no, this is just like, it's so easy. It's like... Regular old lentils and usually Mm -hmm. like some, um, you can do vegetable broth and like some diced canned tomatoes and some spinach. Um, And then I think you cut up like carrots and onions and celery to go in it. Oh my gosh, Mm -hmm. it is so delicious. And especially in the winter with like some warm crusty bread, just go Mm -hmm. get it from the grocery store and wrap the bread in aluminum foil and stick it in the oven, and then it warms it up without burning it. And so Ooh. you can just have fresh, warm bread and butter and this soup. Oh, it's so good. I made it last week in my Instant Pot, and it took like oh. 30 minutes for a soup that tasted like it was cooking for days. So, oh, it's okay. so good. I got to try it. So great if you have, you know, vegan or vegetarian friends. Um, with the bread, you have to be careful about getting vegan bread. I know bread usually has eggs or butter or something, so just look into it. <laughs> Okay, also I had to second the spaghetti thing, but also lasagna is great to do because you can make huge batches and like who doesn't like lasagna, right? It's true. And I know even for your vegetarian friends, this wouldn't really be vegan friendly, but we have in the past done like a huge pan of like meat lasagna and then one that's just like spinach and zucchini and stuff in it. So there's lots of different ways you can do that. And then the last one, is like tacos 
like a taco bar, taco salad bar, it's so easy to do. You can do a huge crock pot full of like shredded taco chicken and then one full of ground beef and have like some black beans and just all the toppings set out and people can build it how they want and it's fun and it's easy. It's really quick to throw together. We have done that frequently. (laughs) Taco Tuesday or whatever day of the week. All right, but there are other things you can do. Say that you don't like to cook. There are other options out there. Okay, so, you know, you might feel like you have a studio apartment uh, and that's a huge barrier to your hospitality and you just can't get yourself to invite people over because of it. Or maybe you are in a really busy season of your life and hosting just really isn't an option right now and that's really okay. There are ways to get creative in blessing others. Um, You can meet other people's physical and spiritual needs from afar, too. You know, I know that I had a friend recently who was having some complications with her pregnancy, and she was, you know, just kind of stressing out because she was going into the doctor again to have things checked out. And you know what I was able to do is I did not have time to make her a meal. But what I could do is I could order Grubhub and have it delivered to her door. So it was just one last thing to worry about. And listen, meal is delivery. Is that like an Uber Eats? It is. Yeah. So okay. like I know Uber Eats delivers food, Grubhub delivers food, DoorDash, Postmates in like big cities. But and if your town doesn't have any of those, there's always a pizza delivery place. It's you can true. always order somebody a pizza. Yeah, and I will say being an Army family, you know, we move every few years and, you know, Mm -hmm. we leave a lot of friends or our friends are just scattered, you know, across the world, really. And this has been a great way for me to still kind of love on them from afar. Um, Like if they had a baby, I could still sign up for a meal train and I'll just have pizza delivered to them. Or there are so many restaurants that deliver now. Yeah. And you know what? If you want to meet with people and show them hospitality and you really don't have the space to do it, you know, hospitality doesn't have to be in your home. I know that's kind of traditionally what we think of, but hey, you can practice hospitality at the park. Pack a picnic lunch and invite a friend to come and have lunch with you or ask somebody to meet you at a coffee shop and buy them a coffee, you know, like it doesn't have to be at your home. Um, Another thing that you can do is, you know, find someone, find a friend who does have the space and partner with them in hosting a dinner or, Mm, you know, a gathering and say, hey, you provide the space, I'll bring, you know, this for the food and, you know, whatever it may be, work together. You know, the the space that you live in doesn't have to be a limitation. There are so many ways we can practice hospitality. It's true. And as always, like Jesus said, we want to count the costs. And even with this, I think it's kind of valid to talk about the cost that comes with um, being hospitable. Hmm. Do you want to talk on that? Yeah. And, you know, I think that this is, if I'm being honest, one of my biggest holdups with hospitality. And I hate to say that. It's never fun to, like, say the sin issues of your heart. <laughs> but <laughs> it's hard that I know it's going to cost me something. Um, and this has been a big place where God's been convicting me because, you know, I am protective of my time and my energy and my my money, my routine. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, we talked earlier about freely you have received, so freely give. We have to remember that, you know, the gospel is not free. It was actually extremely expensive that 
Our salvation was paid for not with silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ. And 1 Peter 1, 18 and 19 tells us that. Um, And, you know, we are called to give sacrificially as Christ has given sacrificially for us. And when we do that, we display the love of Christ to others in a tangible way. And, you know, even in addition to that, when we give beyond what is comfortable, God not only uses that to bless others, but he uses that to sanctify us. When we give beyond, you know, a little bit beyond our means to a place where we feel a little bit stretched, then we're forced to trust God as the one who provides our needs. Um, And that is really a sweet place to be, um, to not be depending on ourselves, but to be depending on the Lord. Yeah, I liked what, what Rosario Butterfield said in her book, you know, essentially, it's just about sharing what you have. But even mm-hmm. that can be hard, yeah. you know, and um, yeah, sure, there are recipes that don't cost a lot. There are cost efficient ways that you can do it, like beans and rice or something that doesn't require meat or, right. you know, but there is also an aspect of letting it be a little bit uncomfortable, um, you know, maybe you know, your grocery budget is going to go up. And that might mean that, no, we don't want you to go into debt, but that might mean that maybe you need to live a little bit below your means to give Mm -hmm. yourself that margin to be a little bit more generous. And that's a challenge for me too, to analyze like, where can I kind of cut back on, you know, personal comforts um, in order to be able to give more and kind of show that radical sacrificial love of God. Mm -hmm. Um, And yeah, Yeah. I think it's hard for all of us or many of us, I should say. No, it really is. It's a big challenge. And I think especially living, you know, for us, we live in the U.S. and we live in a culture where we generally don't have a lot of lack as far as material possessions. I know at least that's, you know, the, the the place where where I'm coming from, and you know, I think that it's ironic that when we when we are in this position, that we hold on to what we have more tightly, um, yeah. and I think that's something that you know we really need to be challenged about. You know, I that's want us true. to talk briefly about why why all this talk about food. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> why why does it matter that we are feeding people, and you know. I think that it really is meaningful. There's something really special um, about table fellowship. Um, Mm, There's something really sweet about it. And I think that we get a taste of eternity when we eat with each other. And it might sound silly, but I really do think it's true. And, you know, Scripture repeatedly talks about eternity, right? Heaven, like it's a feast at the table of God. Um. And so, you know, if you think about Revelation chapter 19, verse 9 refers to eternity as the marriage supper of the Lamb. Um, We have this reference to, you know, eating and dining all throughout Scripture. Psalm 34, 8 tells us to taste and see that the Lord is good. Um, Even Jesus refers to himself, like we said earlier, as the bread of life and the living water. You know, there's something to be said for food. And I think that when we dine together, when we come together, people of different backgrounds, people of different nations, right? People of different experiences, and we eat together, we get a little taste of eternity. We get a little taste of what it is like to sit and feast 
at the table of God, the marriage supper of the lamb. This is what this is what eternity is likened to. You know, we think that, you know, eternity, we kind of think about like singing forever. But scripture talks about it as feasting and eating. Mm -hmm. And I think that we can be representatives of that kind of joy and that kind of nourishment here in this life. Yeah, you're right. There are so many instances of like the table and feasting in the Bible. Mm -hmm. I thought of Psalm 23, 5, where it says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Yeah. You know, that we're invited to dine with the king as his sons and daughters and or the communion table where believers can partake in the elements and remember that we share in this victory through his death and resurrection and yeah absolutely oh goodness how jesus just drew people dined with sinners and and broke the division between jews and gentiles at the table and and how we can do that at the table today um so i just love that One Lord, one faith, one table. (laughs) Yeah, and you know, you're talking about Jews and Gentiles and all these different people coming to the table. And, you know, also makes me think about the kind of people that Jesus ate with in his ministry. You know, he, he sat and ate, dined with tax collectors, sinners, prostitutes, mm-hmm. right? These people who were social outcasts often that were hated and despised and many of whom did live in sin. And, you know, it makes me wonder, like, who are we afraid to invite to our tables? And why is that? Why is it that we're afraid to invite people to our tables? Is it because we're afraid of what other people are going to think of us? Like, why are they, why are they associating with them? Um, is it because we're, we're afraid of being uncomfortable but we should follow, you know, the model of Jesus that we welcome those who are far off and, you know, show them that through the blood of Christ, they can be brought near into the family of God. Yeah. And just really striving to embrace the unity that comes with mm-hmm. Christ. Yeah. So we kind of wanted to top off our topic today Going back to the verse that we started with, Romans 12, 13, and that said, practice hospitality. And literally that translation there is actually pursue hospitality. And it's Mm -hmm. just this verb that implies a continuous action. So this command is saying that hospitality is not just a once a year event where you invite a group of strangers for Thanksgiving lunch. It's, It's supposed to be a constant attitude and practice in our lives and you know what? And that includes if we're in the throes of motherhood and our, our homes are not deep cleaned every single day. Mm-hmm. You know, whatever season you're in, you're still called to um, have this attitude and practice of continual hospitality. Yeah. I love the closing lines in Rosaria Butterfield's book. She says, radically ordinary and daily hospitality is the basic building block for vital Christian living. Start anywhere but do start. And you know, that would be my encouragement to all of you is that, you know, you don't have to start out by going 100%, you know, inviting 50 people into your house every weekend. And you know, it doesn't have to start out with this, this huge thing that may be unattainable right now. But my encouragement to you would be find a way this month that you can practice hospitality You know, I would challenge you to invite someone, if you have a space to do this, invite someone into your home, whether it's for a meal or just for a cup of coffee, Um, but invite someone into your home. Mm -hmm. 
listen to them, hang out with them, hear their story, um, and just show them what it means to be loved and cared for in the family of Christ. Yeah, I mean, you can make a fellow mom that's in that particular hard season along with you, you can make her feel known and loved and refreshed with a cup of coffee and a play date, you know? Yes. Well, we want people to be known and loved, refreshed, um, because we are known and loved and refreshed by Christ. Yes, absolutely. All right, ladies. Well, we want to say thank you so much for taking time to chat with us today. And if you'd like to see our show notes from today and with all of the resources that we mentioned, you can find those at dailygracepodcast.com. Thank you so much for joining us. We'll talk to you next Tuesday. 